Welcome to Beyond Hood and Evil. We're your hosts. I'm Mike. That's Chris. What's up? Hey, man. What are we getting into today? You already know what it is. It's Beyond Hood and Evil. And today we're getting into, you know, some topics that are very present in all of our lives. And I think the main thing about it is that it's just an overarching theme that comes up when you embark on new adventures and new and big decisions in your life. And that topic for the beyond of it is fear. We're going to try and just talk about how that impacts us in our daily lives and things of that nature. And we're also going to talk about how that same fear permeates throughout society when it comes to blackness and being other in general. So we're just going to focus on the beyond of it for this episode today. And maybe we might even slip into some of the evil of it, but we ain't going to be getting too hood <laughs> this episode. So, yeah, that's where we at. You know, when we kicked off uh, this this morning, I was like, yo. Um, the, the first thing that came to my, to my mind around fears that I've been actively tackling um, is like the darkness. Mm. <laughs> like, no lie, as a kid, when I explain to people Section 8 housing in Los Angeles, they're like, yo, what are you talking about? Right. Because now I'm on the East Coast and you know what the projects look like in New York. Mm. Right. Building, you know, 10 floor, 24 buildings, small, super small apartments. So you got a family of six in it. Mm-hmm. You know, in L.A., <laughs> it's actually, I had a uh, at a townhouse. <laughs> right. They were connected side by side. We had four bedrooms, three baths. We had space. There were seven mm-hmm. of us, but we had space. That being said, we had a two story spot. And I just remember I had this incredible fear of the darkness where I would not go to sleep without my TV on. I would just have my TV burning. And you know who hated that? Your mom. mother. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Electricity. <laughs> Bill has oh. hell. <laughs> my mom would always say, you, 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 you destroy my electricity bill. She always had that W on it. Uh-huh. And there was, you know, the way in, in which you kind of like enter my house to go upstairs, you essentially end up making like a J cut. You come in, hook a, uh, a right, and then you go up the stairs. But, when you're coming downstairs and you turn all the lights off in the morning, the, the living room off in the corner in the front of the house looks super dark. And we had mad plants and couches and all of that in there. And I just remember as a kid, every time I would, you know, go downstairs in the darkness, I would like run to the light, flip it on. And then when I had to go upstairs, I'd flip it off and just book it upstairs. Like, and you know, you would feel <laughs> something mm. like the back of your neck trying to get you. Mm. And, I, and that happened every single night. And bro, I took that into adulthood into adulthood where when I would travel for work, <laughs> I go into a big meeting with City, Morgan Stanley, or, you know, or a large foundation or an incredible nonprofit. I'd go into these really dope meetings, talk all my shit. And then at the end of the day, when I go to the hotel, I had a nightlight. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I had a nightlight. And sometimes I sleep with the TV on. And there was a point where I was just like, yo, this ain't okay. You want to know why? When I talk to folks about like, you know, when I talk about kids, people would always bring it up and I would, I'm, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later about swimming, but they would say, um, you know, you need to teach your kids how to swim because what if they get in some trouble one day where they need you to swim and help them out, right? And then I would say, well, they're going to have to figure that out. I don't swim. <laughs> but, <laughs> but fear the darkness. I'm black, y'all. <laughs> black and black, black, black. Uh, but I was like, on the, on the fear part, I like I, it's going to be really hard for me to justify my fear of the darkness when I'm trying to teach my kid to not be afraid of the dark. Mm. Like if I can't sit in a dark room by myself, how are they going to look at me and be like, yeah, yeah, dad, I'm not scared either of the dark. Like that's going to be whack. And so one of the, those fears of just darkness is something that I've been working on for the past year and I can get into how I did it, but that's the first thing that came to mind, Chris. And so it prompted me to ask you, like, what are some things that like you fear that you've overcome actively? And then like, what are some that you, um, have turned a blind eye to and haven't attacked yet. Mine, just to kick this off, was the darkness. I mean, if I'm being honest, you know, I was, I'm, I'm still a little hesitant in the dark as well. Um, my fear of the dark, I feel, feel like though, comes from just my over imagination, my overactive imagination as a child. Like, 100%. Seeing, seeing faces in the darkness, you know, seeing shapes, you know, hearing voices, stuff like that. Like, that sounds crazy as mug to say, but it's realistic. Like, me and my brother, you know, I got twin brother. We stayed in the same room most of our life. And we both we basically always had the same experience. Like, yo, you see that? He'd be like, yeah, I see it too. And it's like, that, that, well, you got somebody confirming what you're saying? It make mm. it a little bit more real. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, man, I, both of us are men of intellect and, you know, infinite-minded individuals. So it's like both of us saying this nonsensical thing that should not exist. 
then it exists. I don't care what nobody say. It's real. That's real as hell. Like, you, I, like I don't care what nobody say. Mother could have came in it. That's something that's always been present in my life. To this day, like, I sleep the way I sleep. Like, people, it's always been a thing. You know, somebody, you know, with somebody, whatever, they see the way I sleep. I'm 6'5", you know, and I get curled up in the blanket. Like, I'm under the blanket. Like, it's it's it's, 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 like, I'm a, it's like I'm a burrito. That's what I've been called. I like a burrito. <laughs> like, I'm, I got the blanket over my head when I go to sleep. Like, I sleep with the blanket over my head. It's Are you snatching up. the cover, too? I don't snatch the cover. I don't, because I'm... Okay. I'm I'm very cognizant, again, last episode, I'm a giver, so I'm not cognizant. Like, I'm fighting to keep the covers on. No. But when I'm going to sleep, I need, it's a certain position I'm in. I need the covers over my head. Like, I'm particular. So it's like, it's wild. Like, because you see this giant man just get nestled up in the blankets ever so slightly. You know, it's weird. So, and I still do that to this day. And I remember my brother was talking about it. Cause he, cause I sleep, I sleep with a, um, the kitchen light on, and no, everywhere I've lived, I've always keep the kitchen light on. And he's like, and I remember my brother was like, "Why is that?" And I was like, "I just like having the kitchen light on, so if I wake up, it's a little light source, you know what I'm saying?" In the in the house, and kid was like, "You still scared of the dark?" <laughs> I was like, "No, nah, I ain't scared of the dark." He's like, "Yes, you are, man. I got over that stuff in in college when I had to go in a dark room because my brother went to Cooper Union to art school, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's like they had something, something that has something to do with film, right? Yeah. So the dark room is where you develop your photography, your your film um, from photography from the photographs you take. So kid goes like, I used to sit in the dark room three, four hours just developing film. It's no light. It's just you." And he's like, in that moment, I got to get over there real quick because I ain't, I only mm. got one enough money to get one set of photos because film is way more expensive than it used to be. It's like $300 for like 10 shots. He's like, so I got 10 shots for the whole class. I'm going to make sure this developed right. So he's like talking about how he got over. And I just was thinking about it. And I was like, man, you're right, man. I shouldn't be scared of the dark. And I'm, I, I guess right now it's something that I haven't really encountered because I've always known that it's not something I necessarily need to unpack at this moment, but I know it will be something I need to unpack should I have a child or something. Because yes. I don't want my child to, to maintain the same uh, weaknesses that I have. You know what I'm saying? I want them to be- <laughs> I'm dead serious. Like, I think about that a lot. Like, all the things that I have problems with, I want my I want to make sure that my child or my progeny, my seed, don't have that same situation. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. in terms of fear, like, I know I got Another fear, like I got fear of rejection or whatever. I don't like that feeling of being rejected. That's something that's, that's, pro- that's promising in my life. Like it's prevalent. Like I hate the idea of being rejected because I've achieved in so many areas of my life. So it's like that fear of rejection is like this, it's based in a fear, in a root of fail, a failing. And mm. it's like the idea of not wanting to be a failure to something that's been prominent in my life. Like I don't want to fail. I don't, so it's like that, that fear of failure also inhibits me from trying certain things because I just like, bro, because mm. I've achieved so greatly in all things. Like, you know me, Mike. I'm good yeah. at all things I do. So it's like, if I do something and it don't work out, it's like, dog, I failed. And it's like, oh man, that's going to be such a blow to my, my <laughs> not my confidence, but to my air, my air of self-importance. Like that mm-hmm. pride that I have in myself and that I'm good at all things I do. Anything that I try blossoms into a successful endeavor. Like that's a great feeling to have, but it's like that that same feeling though can be questioned because my my belief in myself is so it's such it's so high that it's hard for me to see myself not being well or doing something great. You know what I'm saying? So it's like those two right. things are things that I'm really working on right now. Like that fear of failure and wanting to put yourself out there, even if you're going to get rejected. Like, you know, it's just it's just a real thing. Like um I told you the story I got the little compliment from the nurse or whatever. And I was like, man, and I immediately thought in that moment, like I didn't think nothing of it, but it's like, I should have pursued it. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. I didn't pursue it because of the fact that of that in the back of my mind, like what if I'm reading this wrong? Like I mm-hmm. started to overthink it immediately. Like I'm reading this wrong. She, you know, cause she was, you know, she's bad. You know what I'm saying? I was like, yeah, I leave. <laughs> Man, I mean, I was like, as soon as I got the shot, man, I came home, and then the next thing I know, I was like, man, let me go to the gym. Fuck, man, I need to make sure I get more of these games, man. So I need some more games, bro. So my outside match my insides. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's exactly what I thought, man. Like, so, uh, like, I know that sounds crazy, but that's exactly what it was. Like, I just immediately started thinking like that way, and I was just trying to be more intentional with the way I see myself, the way I see the world, and the way I see my endeavors. You know, I be listening to the Lord, the peace stuff. You know what I'm saying? So I'm call it the peace stuff, and. uh you know, he was t- they, one of the messages he's putting out there was you got to get your affairs in order as a man. And I know that sounds crazy to say that you got that from some player pimp type character, but he was putting out some real stuff. 
And I just wanted to make sure we clarify for the folks. When you said some peace stuff, you're talking about the players and Pimp, the pimps. Yeah, yeah, pimps. Yeah, it's a pimp. I like listening to pimps talk. I think it's hilarious. Like, first of all, I think it's hilarious. But second, I also think it's a it's a great place if you listen to, if you want to find some, some over, some old, almost an overabundance of masculine energy, which is something that you don't necessarily receive in today's society. I'm somebody mm-hmm. that, that love hearing men talk like men, that love seeing men build up men, love seeing black men build up black men. And, that, and that's one place I feel like I can find that in an abundance is with pimps. They love talking mm-hmm. about they so, they love talking about blackness, and they love talking about what you can achieve if you put your mind to it. And that's mm-hmm. and I know that sounds super duper crazy, but I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a person that always believe you taking the meat to spit out the bones. I don't believe that you should be subjugating nobody enough like that, but that whole self-belief is something I'm totally into. So I'm, I'm all for it, you know what I'm saying? So anyway... You know, we get your messages where you need it. You, y'all out here listening to the pastor who live in this dual life, you know what I'm saying? Talking about some give to the community, but they got seven Maybox and 18 Fenty Soups. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, bro, it's, you, got, you got to keep it a buck. Like, I'm, I'm much rather listen to the person that's out here saying, listen, I'm a reprobate. I'm a backslider. I don't, I, you know, I, I used to be in the faith. I used to be a man of cloth, but, you know, I got in these streets and I got into carnality and criminality. And now I'm out here trying to make sure that my morality is in one accord with my actual life. So if you see me and you see a fool, just know you see a fool. When you see me, know you see a failure. When you see me, you know you see somebody that's a representation of someone who had a destination of positivity but fell back into negativity. Like, I like hearing that because it's realistic mm. as opposed to somebody that's positioning themselves to be something that's greater than and they're actually less than what you can ever imagine. Um, so respect. back to what I was saying, though, like, he just talking about how you got to get your affairs in order. Cause you don't want to pass and be like these people that pass, and he related the message into being into DMX and into Black Rob, and you know how when you pass things change, and how you don't want to have people overseeing the, your home going in a certain way. You don't want to have people having a fight. You don't want your family having a fight over what's going on in your life. You don't want to have your business. It should you have built a successful business? Who's going to manage that? Who's going to take care of your affairs after you pass? Who's going to manage your pages to continue to promote the things that you have built? over your lifetime because ultimately who's the person that's going to have your passwords who's the person that's going to oversee your funeral who's the person that's going to get the majority of your money who's the person that's going to be dedicated to your legacy to make sure that you have a good hereafter when you're gone and I was just thinking about that a lot like dog man I experienced a great success in my personal affairs but my business not right and I've been mm-hmm. thinking about that for a long time but I, it's like the the fact that I keep achieving this successful side endeavors keeps telling me, well, my business not right, it don't matter because I could just keep finessing it and I'm going to keep being successful. Mm. But I know I could have even greater success should I actually put my big boy pants on, my big boy shoes on and get out there and become the big stepper that I should be. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's just those things been really present in my mind lately. And also the idea, you know, you got to get your partner in order and all that type of stuff. Like those things are very important. That's another thing to talk about with the P's and stuff like that, making sure you got some money that's really in down for you. It's not about what you, it's not always about what you provide somebody. Sometimes it's about what they provide you. And it's not necessarily always about what they provide you. It's like how y'all function as a team. Is their mm-hmm. understanding? Is their listening? Is their comprehension? Is there, or is it all always transactional? You do for me, you, I do for you. You do for me, I do for you. And it's like, if you're in a situation where you always have to do for someone, then that person ultimately does not value you as an individual. They value you as a, as a commodity, as something to be traded as an item. And, and, you know, the big part of the game or whatever, what they teach is like, you want to, you know, you, they say you got pimp from your mind, you know, you got to pimp mm. from your mouth, you know, that's what they say a lot. And it's like, but that idea is that you want to, you shouldn't have to do for someone physically, financially. Sometimes you should just be able to provide someone with clarity and truth. And that clarity and truth is beyond value. It's, 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 mm. it's priceless, which is why because of this game I'm giving you, you should be breaking yourself to me because of this constant, infinite, boundless bastion of inspiration <laughs> that comes from me <laughs> on a daily basis. When you down, you can come see me and you know, I'll pick you right back up. And that's, that's priceless because you know, and if you need me, you know, I'm always there. That's priceless. When, if you need protection, I'm there. That's always priceless. If you need somewhere to stay, you need new clothes, you need something to eat. I have an information. If you're in trouble, I have an answer. I, I am a solution. So it's like to say that that's something that I always strive to be in the back of my mind before I even thought about that. That's something I always thought about. But that same thing to get back to fear is like that all those things are all based in fear, like I'm not being good enough and stuff like that. So, yeah. Mm. Chris, man, that's incredible because it makes me think of a few different things. Um, From the professional side of it, there's this, you know, phrase we all hear, imposter syndrome, right? Crazy prevalent amongst women, people of color, 
right? Having to constantly you know, sort of prove your worth and evaluate, are you good enough? Regardless of the demonstrated history you have of being excellent, right? It's that inferiority complex that has been instilled in us from our white counterparts. That's what white supremacy does. Real talk. So I, I'm hearing that and I'm hearing with the ladies. <laughs> you said, a, a, you know, fear of rejection. Right. Like that. You said not the blow to your confidence, but it's a it's a blow to your perceived self importance. Mm -hmm. Right. I think there's there's a there's a few different threads there because I was telling you this before we got on, man. Like I've had a life as a public speaker, pretty much like mm -hmm. always been forced to the front. And I've I've said that I'm a person that thrives when you turn the light on. Mm -hmm. and what that means is I may not always respect the prep. I may not always set myself up to have all the answers researched before I jump into something. I just trust that in that moment, I'll find it within my faculties and my capacity to say and deliver what I have to deliver. I'll do enough prep, but I'm not really like the studious scholarly person that's going to like have all their notes kind of written out and then, you know, prep seven hours, you know, total for something and then just kind of deliver it. I'm mm -hmm. more of a, like I said, to flip the light on when the lights turn on, when people are ready to listen, I'll show up. I got you. What I noticed over time, though, is that that has become a crutch for me and mm. it's allowed me to not prep. <laughs> it's allowed me to put that work on the back burner. And what it starts to do is make my work and my products suffer. Right. Like when I do give presentations, am I giving the best presentation I can give them? Am I the most engaged and the most mm. intelligible? Like, am I really setting myself up to really knock this out the park? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, presentations, webinars, whatever they are, they will come and they will go. They don't last forever. So getting yourself super worked up like I do nowadays doesn't make sense. But the reality is those nerves and anxieties are real and I have to deal with them, even though I can acknowledge critically and logically that I'll be fine. Right. And so I think one of the, the, the fears that is developing is that that fear around like that imposter syndrome to, to showcase my talents and to always knock it out the park no matter what I do. I think there is a difference between wanting to ensure that you are prepared so that you can deliver and achieve your best outcomes. There's a difference between that and then holding yourself to the highest possible outcome, knowing that you can't control every single situation. Right. So trying to set myself up to always be the smartest person in the room and say something clever and always get like the bottom, like, the, like all of that stuff, like being perfect in those moments puts a lot of pressure on me. And that's one thing you called out to me before we started this episode, it was like, yo, Mike, you put a lot of pressure on yourself mm -hmm. to be who you naturally are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and Chris, that's something that's, that's, that's newer to me. And I don't know where that's coming from. And when I can't identify the source of the challenges that I'm experiencing, that really shakes my confidence, right? Because I'm typically able to diagnose. And that's what I spend my time doing. Mm -hmm. Like for work and in my personal relationships, I diagnose <laughs> the cracks, the challenges, and then put together solutions to actively tackle those. Mm -hmm. So like that's a fear that I'm starting to develop is this performance and this, this imposter syndrome. And you know, I've read the books. I coach people on this. I do that, but it, it's it's still difficult for me in, in these moments. And that that's one thing that I that I that I'm actively targeting now is like what are the mechanisms, what are some of the practices or, or rituals that I need to employ or adopt for me to reduce some of this anxiety because history does show there are trends that I'm gonna be all right, <laughs> that I'm gonna perform. Mm -hmm. So so not believing in that and letting that affect how I act in the moment and affecting those outcomes is is, is something that for me. It, it mean, it's challenging, man. It's definitely challenging. Yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying, Mike, but you got to always remember, man, you're a charismatic and magnetic individual. Like, I've known you that since I met, since I met you. You know what I'm saying? You you know, I always told, I always speak highly of you to your face. It's never something I've, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I've never been somebody that's, you know, guarded or color or really, um, I don't I don't miss my words for anybody. Like, if I thought <laughs> you was, you know what I'm saying? If I thought you was whack as hell, I'd have been like, man, you whack as hell, you need to do something else. Like, I'd have told you that. But I always told you that since I met you, bro. So it's like, to be hearing you talking about something, you got some imposter syndrome for public speaking. I'm like, bro, that's a natural innate talent that you have. Like, that's something people are attracted to you since when they, when you open your mouth and start speak, speaking, people listen. And that's always been the case for you. So it's like, I don't know what, the, what you're talking about. I disagree with you wholeheartedly. You, that's why I say you was tripping. Like I told you, when you wake up in the morning, what you need to say, Mike? What you need to say when you wake up in the morning? And you look in the mirror. Uh, hey, yo, that line was super dope. You said uh, it's about, I am the most. I'm the best definition of what? Important. That's what you need to tell yourself every day you wake up. That's for anybody out there, any young man out there, you know what I'm saying? You endeavoring in this world. Because a lot of things in this world tell you that you're not important. A lot of things tell you that you need to, not, to, to hide your light. 
a lot of things tell you that you need to cover yourself up. You need to be small. Man, listen, if you were small, if the men were small in the world, the world wouldn't exist as it is as it does today. There wouldn't be electricity. There wouldn't be fire. There wouldn't be shelter. There wouldn't be cars. There wouldn't be um, internet. There wouldn't be power. There wouldn't be money. There wouldn't be credit. There wouldn't be so many things that society has been built up on if mm. men saw themselves as less than. So, mm. I, I mean, I'm very, I'm very aware of the <laughs> of the situation that we have in modern society and that we need to make people feel equal, but it's not bad to feel like you're the best. It's never, it's not bad to want to achieve. It's not bad to see yourself as a success. So, mm-hmm. and I'm saying that as somebody who also deals with that limited perspective, like that's something I've been working. That's another thing that I've been working against, like in my life, like, uh, you know, my, I, I shared a little bit, about, I shared a lot on here actually, but I, people don't know that the, the aspects in the way I grew up. Like the way I grew up was crazy. Like people, when I tell people the stories, they like what? Like it sounds fake. It sounds like I'm lying, and it's like mm-hmm. it's not. I'm not lying to you. It's real. Like I, I said, I, I got stories about how we used to, you know, how you got bean bags in your house. Like people have mm-hmm. bean bags. You know what I'm saying? We didn't have bean bags, but we had bean bags because they were just filled with dirty clothes in our rooms. Like, and it wasn't even clothes that we could wear. It was just old clothes, and it's mm-hmm. like. What do you do with that? And like, and like to me, that was normal. That was a normal thing. Like they didn't disclose it and smell per se, but it's like because they've been petrified. These are clothes you cannot wear. You cannot wear them, but they're also mm-hmm. not being thrown out. And that's and that's why when people see the way I live, like how I was very sparse, it's because of the way I was. I, I grew up. Like it was. Mm-hmm. I'm not into having clutter. I'm super against that. Like if I, if I'm dealing with a person and they're cluttered. I actively force them to change that. Like it's something I can't, mm. I can't deal with it. It's something that can't be in my presence. Like your house is cluttered. I'm going to clean your house and it got to stay this way. And they're like, mm. what? <laughs> I'm dead serious. If I come over here and it's not clean, well, guess what we doing? We cleaning. Fuck you talking <laughs> about? Like it ain't no, ain't no like, let's sit down, let's relax. Nah, your house is a mess. I can't deal with this. It needs to be clean. You know, I'm coming clean your house. Like that's how I am. So, you know, to say to say that the, the the limited perspective piece back to that, like I didn't see myself doing more than what I'm doing now when I first got my job. Like to me, that was more than enough. Like I, mm. I was like, I did it. I've achieved it. I'm at the highest level you can be. I got my government job, air quotes. You know, I got my full benefits, air quotes. You know what I'm saying? I can afford to live on my own. I'm a young man. You know what I'm saying? I don't want for anything. I don't need, for, I definitely don't need for nothing. All I need mm-hmm. to do is find me a, a baddie to settle down with. And that's what I thought I had. I had, I, had, I thought I had everything checked out. It's besides a whip. All I needed was a whip and a license. You know what I'm saying? I was like, my life is set. I don't need to go from this moment because at my job, the way it's set up, you get infinite raises your whole life. So it's like, yeah. if I leave my, like every time I be talking to people, it's like, man, you like, Chris, you're going to leave your job i'm like nah you know i love my job you know so yeah. i was like i would never leave here you know so <laughs> it's like yeah but it's like when you when you meet people like and i always talk about kenny he helped take that that limited perspective out of my face like chris mm-hmm. do you know who you are and i'm like what you mean i'm you know i'm doing great and he's like no you're not you're doing okay mm. and i was like what you know and he and he just he the way he would explain stuff to me like the fact that he was like chris you need to buy a house and he kept telling me that he's been telling me that for like the past since i know him He's like, you need to buy a house. And I was like, why? He's like, cause do anybody, and they didn't this this year, last year. He was like, does anybody in your family own home or own property, like in your immediate family? I was like, nah. He's like, okay, that's why. And I was like, what you mean? He said, you don't know, any, you, have, you don't have an example present in your life of anyone who owns property. That's why you don't see property ownership as something that's valuable. It's because you don't have that lens to view it from. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, let me tell you, Chris, as somebody who, you know what I'm saying, that's, look, that's looking out for you, that's always pouring into you, that property ownership is a good thing and you shouldn't be afraid to take that jump. Mm. And that's something that's been, pro- so that's that's the next thing that's on my mind besides, you know, building my business up, making sure I got, you know, all the, everybody's talking about multiple streams of income. To me, that's not realistic at this juncture for me. I need to have mm-hmm. a steady source of reoccurring income from something that I own. If, I, if I'm able to maintain that for 90 days, then I know right. I have a viable business. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I've been listening to a lot of things that's just about not even believing in yourself. It's just doing what you got to do at minimum. Like I listen to I Am Athlete. That's one of my favorite podcasts now. Again, you know, another hyper-masculine thing for all the people out there that's looking for toxic masculinity. <laughs> I like I Am Athlete, man. Jennings, something Jennings. Brandon Marshall. Yeah, Brandon Marshall, bro. That's my guy, bro. I like that guy a lot. The wild part about it is that I see a lot I see a lot of myself and him. Like, you know how, you know, you see yourself in characters. Like if I yeah. were, if you was on a podcast, bro, I think you would be um, Fred Taylor. 
That definitely be you. A hundred percent. That's you, Fred Taylor. Like laid back. Just watch Shout out to room. Fred. Shout out to Fred. Not, Hall of Famer. Tr- not trying to be loud. Not trying to be the front of attention. But just quietly taking over. Like you talking people, and it's just real pronounced. It's not a lot of words. Not a lot of fat. Like boom, I'm saying this, and people are like, yeah, you know, you know, you know. And it's just like that's where my head is. Like, but I see myself like the way that he moved, the way he moves with intentionality. I, I admire that in him. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like that's okay to say. You as a young man, you can admire other men. Like I admire, he's that's something of admiration. Like the way he speaks freely, the way he talks about his business and things of that nature. And I was watching him yesterday, and he's talking about how he set a goal for himself to grow his business. And he grew up from having 12K monthly to 70,000 monthly in 45 days. And I'm like, huh? and I listened to that. And I said, and I just, I was trying to wrap my head around. I said, you went from 12K to 70K reoccurring monthly in a month and a half. And I just was like, man, my business ain't right. That's immediately mm-hmm. why I thought my business is not right. I don't have my, I'm not moving with intentionality. And that's to get back into fear. I think that's what fear is. It's like, you, you're not moving with the in, intentionality to face whatever challenge that is. Like if you and I both to express being afraid of the dark, both of us need to actively put ourselves in dark situations. That's mm-hmm. the only way to get over it. Like that's the only way you gonna get over it. If you scared to take that plunge to go talk to that person, you ain't gonna never take that plunge because you always gonna have that fear of like not being able to handle what comes next. If you scared to face yourself, you know what I'm saying? You got an issue personally that you don't work through, that you self-medicate for. Like you out here drinking yourself to death, smoking yourself to death, shooting up yourself, pilling yourself to death over some type of past issue that's present in your mind that you know is there, but you're not facing it. You got to actively face that and watch how your life changes exponentially. You know what I'm saying? If your skin is terrible, you look crusty and dusty and musty. You know what I'm saying? Drink some water and exfoliate. Watch how your life changes exponentially. You know what I'm saying? And, and I know that sounds crazy, but all that stuff, all these buzzwords that people use, like, oh, I need to have energy. I need to have vibes. Or I need to have positive this. I need to drink more water. It's like those things sound cool to do, but when it comes to actively doing it, people don't. People don't. Yeah. So, yeah, man. That's why I'm at, man. I'm trying to I'm trying to enter into my, my, my third decade with a lot of intention, bro. Like I'm, I'm and I'm super confident that like prominent, it's very in the front of my mind. Like it's prevalent in my mind. Like even the way I dress, the way I carry myself, like I'm thinking about all those things because your presentation is a representation and I don't want my appearance to be interference. Like I think about mm-hmm. that a lot. So it's like, I, I've been really doing an accounting of how I live, how I handle myself, how I maintain myself, what I consume on a daily basis. Am I reading enough? Am I, you know, am I making sure that I'm always been intellectual am I because I'm disassociated from that piece of my my personal life it's like that intellectual piece is not something that's prevalent it's not something that I'm I'm uplifting as I used to so you know these these I know we talking about fear here but I also wanted to make it I always seem to make it about self-reflection and I feel like that's something that I just been doing a lot recently how can I make myself a better version how can I be the best version of me that I can be today moving forward so that my tomorrows are easier like you can live for a king today or you can live like a king forever and it's like that, that I heard that yesterday on the I Am Athlete podcast. And I was like, that's, that's real. Like you can live like a king today. And I feel like I've been living my life in that instance. Like I live like a king today a lot. Like I just do for today, do for today, do for today. But I feel like that's because I wasn't always focused. I was always focused on the goal of tomorrow when I was a child trying to get to college. Like I knew that's how I was going to get to college. Like, oh yeah, that's going to be my tomorrow. But after I did everything I was supposed to do and got the job I was supposed to get and started maintaining myself as I should have, that was it. Like, I didn't know what was next. So now, mm. you know, trying to make sure that I'm okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like Drake said, <laughs> what's next? <laughs> yeah. Hey, so there's a lot of points in that I do want to dig into, man. And one makes me think of, you talked about security, financial security, and making sure that that's never a challenge in your life. And I, and hey, yo, bro, I get it. <laughs> you ain't trying to go without that cash flow because you've built up a certain life for yourself, right? And you've exceeded a lot of the um, expectations for yourself coming from where you came from in Southeast DC, right? Like you, you've, you've very well passed that. And one of the things I noticed about myself is that fear of regression, right? You don't want to backslide back into that. So why would I leave a comfortable job, right? Where it does for me, most of the things that I wanted to do, I'm able to you know, actually thrive in this work environment, regardless of whether I'm turned all the way up to my fullest capacities or whether I'm halfway, it don't matter because I'm really good at my job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it don't matter how much energy I give, what I give is more than the average person is going to give. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but it's that 
it's that fear of that regression to say like, why would I take a leap of faith around something that I'm passionate about and something that I love? And that could probably give me incredible wealth, right? You're talking about you as a designer, Chris, you didn't work with countless clients. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like you were throwing me love early, which I appreciate. I always throw you love. Some mm-hmm. of your clients came from me, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm always trying to direct people to you because I believe in what you do, yeah. right? Even the look and feel of this podcast, that's you, mm-hmm. right? Like the people going out to vote and being inspired by a lot of the visuals that they're seeing are inspired by yeah. <laughs> you. They, yeah. they may not even know, yeah. <laughs> right? Logos that are prominent, right? For a lot of officials, that's your mm-hmm. vision. So for me, it's like you've you've been doing incredible work and you're building up your notoriety in the space, your recall value, right? People mm-hmm. can recall you and people want to refer you. And so what I've always said, I was like, Chris, man, you got to tighten the screws. I always say like, Chris, like you have a business here. Most people are trying to find a business. (laughs) You know, people who are skilled designers or people who are skilled in the creative space are typically said to have a few business skills, Mm -hmm. right? But I think in this case, it's not even about the business skills because you've acquired those, right? You obviously have the the, the design skills. So it's like, what is that barrier that's, holding you back from really pursuing this, knowing that you have the evidence behind you that you do incredible work. People pay you for that work and they're inspired by that work. Mm. What's the barrier? Me? Yeah. What's the I barrier? Talk, I said in the beginning, it's the fear of failure. What if I do it and it don't work? And I, I know that sounds crazy. It's it's literally that. Like, it's literally that. It's literally that. Yeah. So it's, it beca- and, it's re- and, it's, and, and it's part of that regressing back to where you came from. Do you feel like you'll be in a spot, like a a, a, a less fortunate spot if you take that kind of leap of faith and it doesn't work out? No, that's not it. Cool. It's the okay, fear. Well, what is it? It's the fear of trying something and not being good at it. And I know that sounds crazy because I've if the, the record would state that I'm not only good at it, I've excelled at it. So I, I say a real personal thing, super duper personal. So people that know me personally, like, you know, they know I love rap. You know what I'm saying? Rap is hip hop is a big part of my personality. Like rap mm-hmm. is a big part of my personality. It's something I do for myself. It's something that I love. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love rap. I love hip-hop in all forms and fashions. And I remember, you know, when I was going through it or whatever, a couple of years ago, you know, I, I, I made a, I made a, I had to make a conscious decision. Like, I need to do something different. Because I was, every day I was coming home from work and I was spending three to four hours making beats and writing raps every day. Every day. And I was just like, man, there's something, something need to change. Because that's what, that's what my life was. I would go to work, work eight hours, to the best of my ability, do what I could, then come home and I was making beats, writing raps, looking up how to mix. Like, that's what I was doing, mixing stuff, recording stuff, writing raps. And I was like, something got changed because it's not, it's obviously not leading me down the right path because I've got all my choices I made up to this point made me here, took led me to here and to this decision point where now I'm by myself or whatever. So I was like, man, I got to do something different. So I made a, a, I mean, I prayed, like I prayed, I was like, dog, you know, what's up? God, it's your boy. Chris, <laughs> man, if I'm able to make two thousand dollars before the end of the year, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop putting my efforts into rapping like that. I'm gonna stop putting my efforts into being a designer, you know. And I remember I made that prayer, whatever, and that was it. And I was just like, and I wasn't actively pursuing it, but I just was. I was, I was just leading an overall healthier lifestyle at that point. All the time that I had spent rapping, I was looking. I was doing more like exercise, well stuff, wellness stuff, like reading, drinking more water, mm-hmm. not consuming so much negativity. Like, that's what I started doing. Like, I stopped watching World Star, stopped watching going on, what's that, media takeout. Like, I don't, I stopped mm-hmm. going to that. I stopped, you know what I'm saying? I started reading more, like, positive things, um, listening to podcasts that I probably wouldn't listen to. Like, Joe, I listen to Bill Rogan a lot, but mm-hmm. I would listen to, like, the more things about scientists and things about the earth and things about health and things about society as a whole. Like, that's what I started listening to. You know, just start cutting a lot of the fat out of my life. And then next thing I know, I got a contract for no reason for like a little over $10,000 for no reason. Like I'm negotiated for 10K for a project. And I was just like, wow, that's crazy. And I remember thinking to myself, wait, I made that prayer like a month ago. Mm -hmm. And then not only did it manifest in my life financially, but it manifested five times. If that's not a sign that I'm supposed to be walking in this path, 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's a hint. Like in video games, they give you hints sometimes. Even in the hardest games, they give you a hint. And the hint is something, usually something slight. In the easiest game, it's a big glaring arrow. Like it won't even let you go the opposite way. And it, it, it just this. like you'll move forward and then you try to turn around and you can't go back. You just gotta keep moving forward. Like I got, I got so like and, li- and literally that's what it was. But in life, it ain't no and life is never uh you can't go back. You go always go back in life. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In the real world, but in video games, you can't. So I was like, man, that's crazy. And I just, I thought about that and I was like, dog, I need to start doing this design stuff for real, bro. Like I've literally five times my goal, like, you know, God, you know, whatever, the energy, the universe, but the ancestors, as people say now, because the Trinity saying they say the ancestors blessed me or whatever. Um, Like it, it manifested, it came to, it came true. And I remember I, in that moment, I was like, dog, I got to stop rapping like I was. Like it's not, it's not working for me. It's not. Cause it, this is, I've never made anything from rap. Never, ever, ever, ever. Mm. Even though I'm good at it, even though I'm, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, they say that it's crazy, but it's like, I'm, I'm excellent at rapping. I'm good at putting songs together. I'm good at all that stuff. I'm good at wordplay. All the acts of being a rapper, I'm good at. Except the part of being a successful rapper. I'm not good at that part. <laughs> 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 like I'm good at everything that should make you a successful rapper or a successful artist, but I am not good at, I am not a successful rapper or artist. And that's the thing that buzzed me out. Like it, it makes me upset. It still bothered me a little bit to this day. Like, I, I'm good. I put all my time into it. I put all my eggs in that basket. Like, that's what I wanted to do. And it mm-hmm. ne- has never led me anywhere. And, you know, if I let, you know, I talked to Brian about it. I talked to you about it. I talked to Theon about it. Y'all the closest people to me in that movement of my life. Y'all, we would say, probably say, well, Chris, you didn't really go out there like that because you ain't take the leap to go to L.A. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Your life probably could have moved a totally different direction. You might be a producer or something. You might be an A&R. You might be a, mm-hmm. a head or something over at Sony or something right now. If you just took that leap, but you was comfortable in your present life. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, mm-hmm. I, I, and I recognize that as well, you know? So to say why I'm afraid is because of that. Like I've not taken a leap so much. I'm scared that if I do take the leap, what if it don't work out? Like that's always going to back in my mind. And I know that's a mm-hmm. contradiction with the story I just said, but that's realistic. Like what if it don't work out? Like what if I don't want to be in a situation of feast or famine? And I know that's what it is a lot of the times when you're a young entrepreneur or you're an entrepreneur, old entrepreneur, it's feast or famine. But I feel like that's only the case if you don't have your infrastructure set up correctly. Like when I heard, again, Brandon Marshall say I had went from 12K monthly without really trying it to when I put my football lens on and I started th- looking into the research and I had my infrastructure set up. He said it took me about a month to get my infrastructure up. And then I started reoccurring 70K a month. Mm-hmm. And I still, and I just think about, so you had 45 days and 30 of those days you researched. And then for 15 days you implemented and it jumped from, you know, 12 to 70. That's, stru- that's structure. That's having a viable business structure. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to. I want that same thing. Like when I do this, I'm going to be doing it hard. And it's like, I've been thinking about that. Like, that's why I'm re- I sent you to do the website, whatever. Like I'm doing it. I'm going to be going after it hard. I'm going to be going, mm-hmm. after, doing what, going after who I'm going after. I'm going to be campaigning who I'm campaigning. And it's going to work because I'm going to be on it. Like I'm going to be on it, on it, on it. And people know I get excessive. I'm, I'm obsessive about what I want to do. Like when I was doing music, when I was doing rap, when I was doing fitness, mm-hmm. like I get obsessed with it. Like it becomes my thing. So, you know, and I know that I guess and a lot of that is also my laziness. Like I have to counteract my laziness because it's comfortable here. It's not like mm-hmm. I need to build a business. I don't need to make this X amount of money. I don't need to chase down this amount of clients because I'm comfortable sitting in the, in the house designing what I'm designing, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And getting my little paycheck and I'm straight, you know what I'm saying? I can go as many dates as I want, go eat as much as I want, go mm-hmm. wherever I want. I don't worry about gas. I don't worry about electricity. I don't worry about rent. I don't got to worry about nothing. You know what I'm saying? I'm good. Like I'm straight. You know, but I need to be more than straight. Like Drake said on his first album, I want to be better than good enough. And that's and that's a new a new um lens. New lens that I'm trying to uh <laughs> that I'm trying to really go through, you know. So yeah. Chris, man, I think there's 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 pieces in there that I'm that are making me think. And honestly, like just really deeply about it. Like I d I don't went on three different routes in my in my mind as I'm listening to you because <sighs> I, I frame this up as regression, right? Like sliding back into the world that we knew. For me, that was a real thing because I didn't like what my experience was growing up. That's why I was so eager to leave. They're like, Michael, why you left? Because I was like, that's not for me. <laughs> that's not for me. And how often do I go back home? Not often, right? When I was going home once a year, right? When my mom saw me three times in a year, twice I was there for work, one time I was there for friends, you know, and I always try to see my people every time I go, uh, 
at a certain point <laughs> on that third trip, I will, uh, and I never tell my mom when I'm coming home. I just surprise her. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> but I, I pull up in a whip and she opened the door and her first words to me were, why are you here? <laughs> Not because my mama don't love me, but she was kind of like, you don't come around like that. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Right? Because when I start popping up and I'm showing up to the house multiple times in a year, she like, so so wrong with your so wrong with your business, you can keep your business affairs together. Yeah, you, you sick. <laughs> <laughs> and will my mom welcome me back with open arms? Absolutely, yes. Right. <laughs> but when I left California initially, my mom always thought I was going to come back home. She always thought that, hey, Mike's leaving, he's going to come back. Partially because ain't none of her babies ever really left her. Mm. Right. My older sister had left and did come back. She made a life for herself. She settled in, but they always had a contentious relationship anyway. Mm-hmm. Me and my mom had a very loving relationship. Right. So mm-hmm. me not coming back proved to her that, like, oh, Mike can take care of himself. Mike's good. I don't have to worry about him. But when I'm starting to show up more often, she's like, uh, do I got to worry about this guy? Right? <laughs> yeah. And so for me, a piece of that is, you know, whether it was in college when I was fucking up on purpose because I was doing the wrong things like video games and just, you know, trying to have some fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there was a real fear of sliding back and regressing back to that lifestyle. So I fought really hard. And a lot of this is when I put my blinders on, Chris, that we talked about in a few different episodes, mm-hmm. right? The conversations around Blackness, the conversations around sort of your societal role to move us forward, like all of those things about our history and sort of and sort of who I was and needed to be in certain spaces. I put my blinders on and said, hey, I need to take care of my own business. I need to get to where I need to go because I got to pay my own bills. I got to pay my school loans. I got to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. And for the family and future I'm trying to build, I got to go and make that. So I'm not worried about anything else y'all talking about. I'm not going to be a jerk. (laughs) I'm not going to say these things don't exist, right? Mm -hmm. But I am going to say that's not my issue right now. My issue right now is that I have no stability. But now that I've arrived at this space, Chris, and this is one of the things you alluded to is now that I've gotten here and I've done all the things that people said I should have done, Going off to college, found a partner, right? When we move from DC back to Chicago in the summer, we're going to be looking for a house. We're going to do the whole family thing. I, I got the gig that pays me the money that I need to take care of my bills, to build mm-hmm. for the future, and to chill. So it's like, you know, you got all of these things. I think one of the things we forget about is what it requires to maintain Facts. those things. <laughs> so getting all of those things is one part of the equation. The second part of the equation, the most important piece is holding yourself accountable to maintaining those things. And that's where it gets draining, Chris, because you start to evaluate, why do I have these things? Why am I doing these things? Why am I spending my time here in the first place? Mm -hmm. Is this something I want? Is this something I need? Or was this what was told and prescribed to me? Right. And so when I think about like, you know, you talk about your leaps of faith and, and sort of which ones you took and which ones you didn't. Yeah, dude, I think a bit of that does fall back on you needing to have stability and security in your life. So even if there are things that you wanted to pursue, you know what's much more safe than the other as it relates to design and rap? Design is a lot more safe than rap. Like trying Mm. to make it in a rap game versus making it a designer, it takes entirely different skills. Skills that are absolutely second nature to you as a designer. Mm. (laughs) Intellectual capacity, creative discussions, visualizing, putting that down on paper, communicating with people, translating their ideas to visuals. Like that's Mm -hmm. something you do without trying. Rap though, you had to try Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot to get to Mm -hmm. where you were, right? So then to take this skill that you've cultivated and built and then to risk it and say, okay, now now I'm going to use this skill to build up a life for me, or I can rely on something that I've been doing my whole life, like this design stuff, Right, and try to master that to get me to a place where I can have stability. Which path are you going to choose? Whether you said you did it consciously or unconsciously, you prayed, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is, you had a vision for who you could be as an artist, and you had a vision for who you could be as a designer. Which path did you ultimately walk down? Yeah, the design room. The design path, right? So it's just like the rap stuff didn't work because, and this is why I said this was so much like gusto to you, is like because you didn't pursue the rap path the same way you pursued pursue design. You didn't say, what's my plan A, plan B, and plan C with this? And if none of those work, okay, plan D is this. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, and Chris, we always said this, you can rap, but that's not what this is about. <laughs> and from the music we listening to today, this is not about how good you could rap. 
Mm-hmm. Cause if that was the case, people wouldn't be arguing about certain rappers being the best of all time. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the, the, what I'm most excited about with you and, and also just to bring this back to me into the fear topic is that these are things that we can call out and that we can, with that we're aware of and that we can address. Mm. Right. And so with the design piece, it's like, what is that next step you need to take in order to take your business to the next level? You can read some books, right? You can, you know, sign up for a conference. You can say, I'm going to spend every day spending the next 10 hours just focused on this work. Yeah, that's cool. But I really think it requires you to have a vision (laughs) of what that will be. And then really say, okay, what are the tangible steps that I'm going to take to actually make that happen? Yeah. And hold yourself accountable to it. So for me, that's when my life changed with the darkness. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's when my life changed with my weight mm-hmm. that's when my life changed with my finances because I was just like one I'm entirely too old to be dealing with these same issues and it's not because of my age but it's because I've arrived at the age that I am now with 10 years of not dealing with the shit that was yeah. bothering me <laughs> so, so now I'm at a stage where I got to do stuff differently so to, to to turn this over to fear and being able to get over some of those obstacles some of the things I did for the darkness I'm going to tell you right now I would take my showers in the dark that's bugged out. Bug out. <laughs> bugged out, bro. Because the, what, what you told me, you was like, you can see your mind, your, your, your mind is wild. My mm-hmm. mind is too, <laughs> right? Tales from the Crypt Keeper, Leprechaun, yeah. like thinking about all those movies we grew up watching, Jason, Freddy, all that stuff. All that's in my mind. Somebody's going to murder me. <laughs> yes. In this tub. <laughs> like, and, and I'm ass naked. And I'm ass naked. I can't even fight. <laughs> <laughs> what, are they, what, what am I going to do? <laughs> but, I, but I was just like, what I know, though, is true. That when I close this door and I turn this light off, it's just going to be me. I know that. Like, I know that. So let me see if I can break that wall to understand that that will be the case when I turn this light off and take the shower. And then when I get out the shower and turn this light back on, I'm going to be here 15 minutes later. <laughs> right. So that was the one thing I did. I also love baths, Chris. And I would take a bath in the dark. Right. And what that would let me do is just sit there and get at peace with the dark. I would meditate in the dark. So there was all these things that brought me joy, like baths, because that's um, for me, uh, a moment of self-care and recharging, meditating. Right. Those are the things that I would do that create safe spaces for me. But I did it in uncomfortable spaces like Mm -hmm. the darkness. Right. And then also just being able just to sit and look at the darkness until my eyes adjust, because that's what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. Your eyes are going to adjust. And so I did this repeatedly, 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 every single night, right? Shower in the dark. When I did take baths, bath in the dark. Every day I meditated, meditated in the dark. And slowly but surely, Chris, after like six to seven to eight months of doing that, I started to realize like, oh, I'm still alive every time I take a shower in the dark and get out. <laughs> like Nothing's happening to me, mm-hmm. right? And so for me, that helped build up uh, the awareness and the acceptance is like, yo, bro, the darkness is all a figment, literally, of my imagination. Hmm. And so that's like a small scale example of getting over a fear, but that was a real fear for me. So now as we start to pursue, you know, future people to have children, like now I can say I actively work through a fear that could have been passed on to my children. Hmm. Right. So to an earlier point you have, I'm also fighting not to bring things into my children's life that are unnecessary. I can't protect for everything, but I could, you know, protect for that. So Chris, man, I know I just hit a, a few different things, but now I'm interested in being able to talk through some of the stuff that you've been dealing with and how you've actively gotten over it. I'm a thinker, man. I be thinking a lot, man. I be thinking a lot of a lot of the time. Like I, I'm going to say I'm an overthinker. I would say that I'm just somebody who likes that, who loves to plan, you know. And if we, mm-hmm. if we ain't got a plan, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not necessarily willing to embark on an endeavor until I know there's a a, a set mission and how we doing it. Like I need all the the stats I need the agenda all that like I'm just that type of dude not to say I'm like spur the moment ideas and stuff but it still need to have some sort of structure on my struggle 100% um so in terms of my business stuff I just been I ain't gonna lie man I just been watching a lot of movies on people running businesses like that's what I I I think again I take it in a meat spot off the bone like I gotta I gotta I think I know I have a viable business model and that mm-hmm. I'm able to secure contracts. I'm able to negotiate with institutions. I'm able to to talk to people that are um, public facing about, you know, changing up stuff. I know I have the ability to do that. So it's like, I know I just need to actively get my business. When I say my business, I mean like my actual LOC company structured in such a way so that when I start trying to go after bigger contracts, they have to give me a contract mm-hmm. because I'm a black minority vendor and I'm from this area 
you know, mm-hmm. and I and I have my business registered in a part of the city where they have to give X amount of business. So my business is registered in Southeast and they have to give 10% of their business to people in Southeast. That's one check mark. They have to give um, 10% of their business to minority owned business. That's two check marks. And three, I'm local. So they, and they have to also give their business to someone who's local, 10%. So I have a 30% bump up automatically out the gate. <laughs> so like my my likelihood of success is already 30% higher than someone that's from California, somebody that's from New York, somebody that's from Chicago, because I'm checked so many boxes. And it's that's something I realized when I got my job at my actual day job. Like the lady hired me and she told me it doesn't hurt that you're black. Like she's like, we need, you know, you 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 check a lot of boxes, Chris. I was like, mm-hmm. what you mean? She's like, you from DC, one, that's a box check. You're a man because my job is very, as much as my job says it's a lot of inequity, most of the people in my job are women. Like it's even the management. It's the only thing that it's not a lot of men, women that is in the executive C-suite level. Like they Exactly. Not, and that's the inequity, Chris. You know, it's only the president. Um, the president is a man and the chief of staff is a man. Everybody else is women in the C-suite. So again, even there, it's mostly all women except those two positions. <laughs> so again, that's still not, to me, that's not any, because you know, Hey man, I got remember your point because I got to jump in on that. I, I know, know, I know. So yeah, point. that's you know what I'm saying. It's a man's world. Oh, so anyway, uh, so that, and then you know it's just things like that. Like so, I, I know that I have a viable business model. I just need to make sure that my infrastructure is set up in such a way so I can get these contracts. In terms of my health and wellness and all that, that was just me not eating like an asshole. Once I stop eating like an asshole, because I work out like a like a maniac. You've been where you might, you know, I'm a mm-hmm. I'm competitive as hell. Like I'm in the He's gym. A maniac, <laughs> yeah. maniac. Like it's it's to the point, you know, I go in the gym, I'm sweating, I'm lifting weights and I'm sweating. That's not something you always see. But when I go and I lift, it's it's not just lifting. I'm it's anaerobic, bro. It's like a it's like a marathon. Cause I, I ain't resting between sets. I'm throwing up heavy weight, you know what I'm saying? I'm moving and I'm moving and shaking. I'm listening to the Walker Flock. I'm missing to bullet for my Valentine. My energy is up. My heart is racing. I'm losing my goddamn mind. You know what I'm saying? So I'm pu- I'm pushing the weights like somebody pushing it down. Like that's what I'm doing. So it's you know and I'm and I'm running, I'm eating, I'm drinking with a lot of water, trying to cut my sweets, you know, things like that. In terms of my self and trying to make myself a better, more round well rounded individual. I'm reading more books. Like I have an idea, mm-hmm. like I had this little plan. I wanted to read the biography of Malcolm X. I've been talking about that for a long time, but it's because I keep reading manga in between <laughs> the book. So I read the book and I'll be just about, I agree like three chapters. The next thing I know I'm reading a new manga and I'm, I finished the whole manga, the manga, a hundred and some chapters. So it's not like I'm not reading and that's the way I'm cheating myself. <laughs> like, it's not like I'm not reading. It's just, I'm not reading something based in reality. I'm reading a quote unquote adult comic. Like that's what I'm reading. I'm reading a comic about someone's life, like, you know, dealing with all these things and stuff like that. So it's like, I, I just need to get more president that also set a goal like i want to read the bible i want to read the Torah, and i want to read the quran by the end of the year so it's like that's something i want to read because i always i know a lot about morality i know a lot about religion which is weird for somebody that's not the most religious person but Mm -hmm. i want to get a very uh uh uh, i want to get a very functional and stable concrete understanding of what each of those faiths mean and i and i know if i read their books i know that and i can have an active conversation with anyone of any elk and still mm-hmm. be able to hold my weight and define common ground with somebody. And you know, that's my big thing. Like I always like being yeah. able to have conversations with random people. Cause it's always feel good to be able to, to see, see somebody say something. And I'm like, Oh yeah. You mean like, and they like, how do you know about that? It's yes. like, well, you know, I read books. I listen to podcasts. I know a lot about a lot of, I always say, I know a little bit about a lot of things. And I say that, mm-hmm. I, I say that a lot. And I feel like that's important though. I feel like as a Again, as a man, you know, I feel like it's important to have a worldly air about yourself. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's something that I'll always, always show people. Like, yeah. you ain't Chris, you're a dude, but also just, I have to know, is this is this something that a, a lady should strive for as well, to be worldly and all those I mean, things? yeah. I mean, I think that if, if you're a woman and you want to be position yourself to be valuable in life, you got to be worldly <laughs> as well. I mean, I'm not okay. going to So I, you're just talking I, about this from a perspective, perspective as a man. Perspective as a you man, yeah. I'm not, I'm never... See, because I'm not somebody that's going to tell a woman what she should and shouldn't do. That's not me. Mm. I'm not that guy. I I mean, Mm. if I have a daughter and I have to and I have to raise her to not be consumed by the world, of course, I'm going to tell her what she should and shouldn't do, because Mm -hmm. in life, there are going to be people trying to take advantage of her at all aspects because I'm an attractive 
blessed individual, you know, so I'm <laughs> handsome and tall and, you know, chocolate. So I know my, if I have a child, I'm getting, first thing, I always say that to everybody. At first, if I have a daughter, first thing I'm getting out the, out the, out the hospital, where we, we going? The gun store. I'm getting, I'm, me a, say a pistol. <laughs> I'm getting a gun. I ain't getting no pistol. I'm going to fuck somebody up. I'm getting a shotgun, bro. Somebody getting laid all the way out. Like, what are we talking about? My daughter going to be amazing, bro. If I have a daughter, she's going to be amazing. That's why I always pray for a son. Like, I want a son so I don't got to worry. Like, I know if I have a daughter, she going to look like goddamn Pocahontas. She going to look like Esmeralda. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a, a whole problem. You know, she going to look like Dose Moon. You know what I'm saying? Like, for people that know, she going to look like that. Like, that's how she going to look. So I can't I can't deal with it. I can't. I, I, have, I would have anxiety attacks every night that she's out. Like, dog, who is with my daughter? What are they doing? Like, I don't trust nobody, bro. Like, I'm, uh, what? Like, you know, yeah. I'm, anyway, fast forward. <laughs> like, you know, that's something that I think about a lot. So uh, those are the things I'm actively doing right now. So like, once I get my website up, I'm going to be able to register. I'm going to get my back on track to get my business registered in D.C. Mm-hmm. And then start trying to, you know, go after those contracts that I want, you know, because once I get my first big government contract, I'm going to be in. All right, Chris. So let's play this game. Uh-huh. You know. We got we got folks who listen to this. So I just want to just say shout out to the folks that that show love to Beyond Hood and Eve. I just I just want to say I appreciate mm-hmm. that. I say that to say because there are people who are listening to this, and so mm-hmm. I'm looking for an air of accountability. So the folks who listen to this episode will also know that you have made a commitment. Okay, <laughs> and we'll look to future episodes to see if you've kept that commitment. So Chris, let's put a deadline to it. You said this website, right? That we talk about. Yeah, who sponsor? This podcast yes, works. Yes, works. works yeah. <laughs> sponsors this, and so I'd imagine people are driven to the website to check it out. Uh-huh. And for a few weeks, they've seen that it's under maintenance. Yes. which respect. So let's put a deadline to it. Let's hold ourselves accountable. And what's a target deadline for us to get that finalized so we can start living this life? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the um the the website to be done by the end of next week. I ain't gonna front. That is what what's, what's, what's that date? What's that date? Uh. That today that, the 30th, I mean, today the 29th. Today is 29th. I guess that means by the 7th, it'll be live, the new version, the updated version. May 7th. May 7th, we're going to be live. I'll do that. I'll write it down. I need, to, I need to start doing that too. I need to start writing down my stuff and hold myself mm-hmm. accountable because I know I don't do that a lot. Like, And I know when I work, my, when I do put myself in structure, I achieve it because I don't like letting myself down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I know, mm-hmm. when it's, I know when I have a nebulous idea of when I need to do something, it's easier because then it's like, it's just something I have to do. It's not something mm-hmm. I. It's not something I need to do. Mm-hmm. If I have to do it, that means it's something I can do whenever. But if I need to do it, I got to do it right now. And I know right. that's how my brain works. You know, I know, yeah. you know, I'm an asshole. So, <laughs> yeah, man. So that's where I'm at with it. I can, I can make that. I'm, I I meet that challenge. You know, seven is gonna be live. It's gonna okay. be all the way live. So yeah. So so May seventh, we got. That stiffworks.com mm-hmm. uh, website updated. So go ahead and check for that. Make sure we hold Chris accountable because if that website is not updated by May 7th, I'm going to need y'all to dig in these comments and <laughs> light my boy on fire. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Where's the accountability? <laughs> so Chris, is there, a, is there a fear that you've been turning a blind eye to that you're like, yeah, just not going to tackle that right now? It's mainly the business stuff. Yeah. Mainly business stuff. Yeah, that... Um... We, like I, got my, we talk- I got my I got my finances and stuff better better shape. That's how I was able to buy the car and stuff. So it's like I, mm-hmm. I know my credit good, you know. It's it's actually my credit good. My credit better than good. It's excellent. I got good credit. Like hey. so, you know, I know that as a black person, that's different. <laughs> you know, a lot of black dudes, they be out here, hey baby, <laughs> I need you to sign for this car for me, you know. Ha <laughs> ha, you know, <laughs> I got the down payment. It's just I can't get the loan, you know. So uh yeah, man. So it's like I'm not worried about that really. So once I get my business in order, I know I got next steps. My next step, after I get my business in order, and then my next step will be to get my client, get my um, contract. Then after that, after I get my contract, it will be for me probably to try and buy a property. Like that's what be my next thing. My third, my long-term goal, like my next three years, I want to have, uh, I want to own some property. So, mm-hmm. and I, but I, and I, it's the same way I saw myself, like what people always be like, oh, what's your timeline? Having kids, da, da, da. Like I didn't see myself being able to have a kid until I had a license. And I know that sounds crazy, but yeah. That's something I really thought about, like, and that's why I became mad, more, way more comfortable with it. Like, if I have a kid, I don't, I don't want to have a kid and have to catch the bus. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If I'm a dad, because I know, I know that life. Like growing up, I mean, you know, it's weird. Like you gotta go somewhere, but you gotta wait for you at the mercy of the public transportation. And it's mm-hmm. like my mom, she dating a guy, he got a whip. That made life infinitely easier for a lot of things. Get groceries, go out, go to the doctor, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like it just make it easier. So it's like that's some. 
I know that's that's probably don't seem connected, but to me, being a man, having a car, having a kid, those things are already very selective. You know, because at the end of the day, if you meet, even if you meet somebody and they got a kid and you ain't got a kid, you should have a car because that kid might need to do something. You might need to save that kid. You know, you need to pull up. Might need to go to his body. Maybe they should go to her body. You know, you never know. So, yeah, man. You know, like I said, the the fears that I I, I tackled is is people might say the fear of being great. Nah. Like I said, the fear of maintaining. Mm-hmm that great. And it's like what it requires to, to, to really maintain the things that you build. And when you start to build these large companies, <laughs> when you start to build these large personas, when you start to build anything, right? Like knowing what it requires of you is, is for me specifically, um, drives a bit of my fear. And now, and I'll give a real example. Um, I like, you know, Chris, we talked about this before, what I where I really want to spend my time and what I really want to do with my life, and you just brought this up, is be a parent. And it could quite possibly be driven by the fact that my birth father wasn't as engaged as, you know, as he could have been. You know, even though I had a step-in father, my mother, they were raising kids, but the reality is they were kids themselves, mm. right? And so, as, you know, as I grew, I was just like, yo, I want to make sure that I am honestly engaged with my children and being really involved in their life. And at the end of the day, just the way I live my life and what I'd naturally gravitate toward, mm-hmm. I think parenthood will actually fulfill all the gifts that I have, mm-hmm. right? Because not that I think my child and I will be best friends. <laughs> I'm not going to think that unrealistically, but the amount of quality time that you can establish early and to just give the game to, to try mm-hmm. to prepare this person for what life will be, all I want to do is create children that contribute to this world in a positive way. Mm. That's it. If you grow up to be a narcissist, if you grow up to be a dickhead, if you grow up to be a person that is that doesn't make any positive contributions to this world and is only worried about your own self-consumption and your own bravado, right? Or just what you can have or materialism, then that's a miss for me. <laughs> mm. It won't always, it won't all solely be on me, mm. but I'm like, yo, I really do think based on the type of people that Eric and I are, like we have the opportunity to bring some people into, a, into this world that'll help change this world. Yeah. Right. So for me, that's what I really want to spend my time doing. Right. And so just to, to, to back it up a little bit, I get up and I go to work at my current job every single day. And what I realize is that like, you know, sometimes I'm like, I don't really want to be here. Not because I don't like my job or that I want to be at another job per se. It's just that this is not how I really want to spend my quality time. This is how this is not how I want to spend my time throughout the day. And as we think about Moodify, we think about this podcast. I'm absolutely excited about those things. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I don't want to do those things forever. Right. Because I know my driver for me is just being in the lives of the people that I surround myself with. Mm-hmm. And I pursue things like Moodify because I feel like it'll be tied into helping other people achieve their boldest aspirations, whether it's mm-hmm. for them personally or whether it's for their group or their communities. How can you keep people, people keep people's eyes toward a collective vision with steps that they can take to manifest that and hold each other accountable until that vision is actualized? Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's the purpose of Moodify to get people to act on the things that they see for themselves. Like you said, to be the best version of yourself, mm-hmm. what's a framework or what's a tool that you can use to make that happen. Right. That's why Moodify exists. This podcast exists to be able to give us a space to just connect, but also to share our thoughts on the world around us. Cause we're not really social media cats. We're yeah. not, <laughs> but this is the space in which allows us to contribute in that space. Right. And then my nine to five obviously allows me to do some really cool things at scale, right. Driving and helping communities. But Chris, that's not a driver for me, really long-term. None of those things really are. All of those things are a means to an end. And that end is for me to be honestly, Chris, I want to be a house husband. <laughs> oh, man, put that on. You man, put that on a podcast. You wild. Oh, I want to, if you, Michael McElvin, full government name, my goal is to be a house husband. That's all I'm doing all this work for, work really hard right now so that I can be that. Right, Chris? Wake up and make biscuits and cornbread. <laughs> Do the grocery shopping yeah. and take the kids, drop them off, make the meals, all that stuff. Because Chris, that that's, that's where I feel like I'll thrive and be happiest. Right. And grow. And I'll do some work stuff. Right. Like that's never I'm never going to turn that part of my brain off. But where I want to spend the bulk of my time is engaging with my family and my community. 
right? And Kristen, so one of the fears I have is that this work that I'm doing, this greatness that I try to bring to my work every day will pull me away from the ability to do that. So what I have is this tension that's brewing between being the greatest professional I could be (laughs) and also kind of keeping in mind those parameters being like, yo, man, I know what it could be like being a CEO of a company like Moodify, right? Taking this podcast to levels in which we have some notoriety, right? Mm -hmm. Or just sticking around with Upmetrics and being able to do the things that scale and that mass that we want to do. I know to really commit to that and be you know, on a scale of greatness, like, you know, you're a one at your job and you get fired. Five is like, you do everything we ask and more. Mm. I struggle with doing that because I'm like, if I'm a five all the time, it doesn't allow me to be a five in my personal life. And that's where I cannot risk not yeah. being a five. Right. And so one of the fears I have is being able to balance those two because I know what I'm prioritizing. So having that vision for me is important, but that's one of the things that I don't want to say I've turned a blind eye to per se, because it's actually in my face every single day. But it is something that I feel like I'm I'm learning and developing the skills to be able to navigate that as it comes, right? Because mm-hmm. this is this is family life is coming real fast and mm-hmm. I welcome it. But also these businesses I'm starting in this company that I'm already a part of, that's still happening. So there's going to be a point where there's a collision. And, you know, I think about what that's going to require me and the decisions I'm gonna have to make. And, you know, it shakes me up a little bit. Well, you already know, man, you know, I think that the best thing to think about, though, in those moments where you got a decision to make and you want to hold yourself accountable is you got to think about Moodify, number one place for wellness and development for self-help. You know what I'm saying? If you got a goal you're trying to set, you know, you're afraid of the dark like myself, Moodify that, man. Just go sit in the dark 10, 15 minutes a day, man. Figure that out, man. You know, you're trying to start your business, get your business in order. Moodify that, man. What you got to do? What's coming down the pipeline for you? that you need to go ahead and fill out so that you can get your information in, in on time so you can still start stealing all these clients from these, you know, from the others. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm going to call the others. The other others, not you. The Not the other the other man, not the brother man. You know what I'm saying? And then, if you know, <laughs> if you got some type of situation, you know what I'm saying? You got, you know, diabetes or something like that. You need to figure that out. You can't modify it. You got to go to a doctor, see a, a medical health professional, get yourself in order, bro, because you're going to be out the way sooner rather than later if you keep eating those honey buns like the goddamn Tic Tacs. Um, and then also you got stiff works coming down on the pipeline. You know, if you need some branding work, you're an institution or organization, a small business trying to get your branding together. You know, you're trying to pitch a client. You need an emergency presentation done for the done on it quickly, but for a good price. You know what I'm saying? Go, go, go holler at stiff works. We'll get back to you super duper fast. Like what? Dominoes piece in the 90s, 30 minutes or less. So you know that it is. That's Beyond Hood and Evil. That's the podcast. Blah. Hey, I appreciate you, baby. Appreciate you too, man.